this is that other sports show. Let's go. Like I'll listen, like what, like when I listen to the Ramones live albums from the seventies, I know the the sound quality isn't going to be like it would an album that was taped live in twenty twenty two, but that isn't going to detract me from listening to it because I want to listen to the fucking Ramones live, right? I had somebody one time they told me, uh, I I was talking to this one this one guy was <laughs> like he was talking about wanted to add podcasts and stuff to his little podcast station. And I had him listen to an episode. This was like a couple of years or three years, four years ago, something like that. Just like last week, don't lie. It probably was last week. No, it, it was a while ago. And the guy was like, you know, you guys have good content. He, is, he was like, you both like connect real well with each other. You don't cut each other off very often. And he, he goes, there is, like, the sound quality problem. He was like, obviously, you guys aren't doing this with, like, a fucking mic and, like, a fucking – the little filter thing and all that. Did then you tell he, him that you bought that stuff and it just doesn't work with our with our equipment? Well, I told him. I said, well, I said uh, – Joke's on you, motherfucker. We got that stuff. I know, right? Ha, <laughs> fuck you. You don't know shit. You're supposed to be professional. We did pay for that shit. We just never figured out how to use it. Uh, no, but he said that the, the biggest problem – with what we do is that we do this podcast in two different states. Is that really what he said? Yeah. He said, he said, I guarantee you, if you guys were in the same fucking room doing the podcast, it would be 10 times better. That's stupid. What? (laughs) Okay. So if we did the pod, I'm about to blow my nose. This is about to sound real professional. Do that shit. Um, If we did the podcast on a, Let's say on a video chat, one, do you really think that would improve our show? I don't think so. We're still going to talk about the same shit. Here's why it would not, in my opinion. And and I'm willing to try it because I'm willing to try anything for a new listener of five. Um, Because we're not always in front of the screen. We're not always in front of a hard fucking camera, especially not if we're doing an hour and a half. You're sneaking out and taking a piss. I'm sneaking out and taking a piss. I'm sneaking out and dealing with my fucking kids. You're sneaking away and dealing with grandkids, dealing with just life. There's, It's almost impossible for us to dedicate a hard hour, in even 45 minutes, and go, we're going to dedicate ourselves to a hard phone goes off, uh, to a hard camera for 45 minutes, just like we're doing around the horn, or we're doing, you know, pardon, pardon the interruption. Yeah. I don't know. It's difficult. It just does. I, I'm not saying I'm not opposed to it. It's just what we do, the way our the fluidity of our show, if you will. I don't. I don't think it would work. But I'm willing to try it. I want to try it next week. If does does this one do the video? This one doesn't do the video, right? This platform. No, it, it does. It actually just uh, it updated its service, so we no can shit. actually do. We can actually do like a video. Should we be trying to plug podcast? these mics back in? Huh? Dude, I'll tell you what. You wear a tank top. I'm looking at myself right now in a tank top. I'm looking like hot shit. I'm looking a little puffy. Wolf, I'll do a fucking video, right? We'll do a video. I'll please. I'll do a fucking video. My hair's looking beautiful. I'll do a fucking video right now. Let's go. Turn that fucking shit on. 
Fucking feeling good. Fucking taking a bong feel, hit in the middle feel, of the fucking podcast. Like, hey, listen, feel real fucking optimistic about life right now. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Looking at myself in the mirror, the see the sun, the lighting's right. I look tan. You know what I'm saying? I could pass from Mexican. I could pass for a gringo. <laughs> My shoulders are popping right now. I'll and then we get you on the screen. We're looking like two dudes that'll fuck some guys up. We're looking like FTR basically. Dude, we are FTR. We're <laughs> we're we're all fucking natural, natural FTR, man. I love. We're basically looking like Red Dragon. You know what I'm saying? Like we're basically that, but the podcast version of Red Dragon. We can do jujitsu shit. We can do karate shit. We can come off the top rope and do flippity floppy spot monkey shit. We can put you in an arm bar if we need to. We'll fuck any any how you want it. We're gonna fuck you up. I like this. I like this plan. All right. So next week we'll we're not gonna do this by the way. There's no chance. Hey, so I don't know how much of this you do want to keep in because you don't want that one person to fucking hit us on Twitter at Team Toss21, by the way, and go, uh, yeah, I was looking forward to that video you guys were talking about about you guys in the fucking chest looking puffy, and then it's another audio version of you guys. <laughs> how about we figure out how to set the mics up and go from there? Well, that's the pro that's the problem with this platform is there's no way to set up a mic so uh, so then what what would we do talking to our computers no you would just have to use the phone like you would have to so like a, they have like they're still like they have like a skype or like yeah uh, it's, zoom. It's, it's like zoom that's stupid exactly i don't know if i'd like that should we try oh, the, I'm the, down to the, try the problem that. is, is I'm too lazy and cheap to go buy like. I just thought about that. Do I have to have a phone stand? Yes, that's well. You can, can get that shit phone. at Dollar Tree, right? So, Did you get one of those at Dollar Tree? Probably. Actually, I had a company that gave me one. I'm sure if I dug it up, one of these insurance companies gave me one. If I'm sure if I dug it up, I can fucking find it. So, like, um, Anchor sends. I get like uh, emails and shit from them all the time. About like their you know updates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I watched one of their videos. They have like a YouTube channel, so I went to it and I watched the video. Yeah, and time. And the guy was like, "Oh yeah, so if you want to set up the video podcast, you could do it like this." And then they have you know your phone, and they were like, "It works best if you have a phone stand." So he had a phone stand, and then he went and got one of them pop filters, and he was like, "Yeah, this kind of helps like clear out other you know noises and stuff." And he was uh, really doing shit. The, here's the the funny thing is, man, these people who are doing these anchor podcasts, they're doing it just like we are. There's no other way to do it. You can't. Yeah, anchor. they're doing it just like us. So, I, so if that guy's going to critique our show, he better do it with the expectation of every podcast on this platform is going to sound like this. Two or three idiots talking on the fucking phone. They probably can't see each other unless they're in the same room. And to be honest. I don't know how it would be if you and I are in the same room looking at each other talking on phones. That just doesn't sound right either. That doesn't sound right. That sounds it weird. It all sounds fucked up. <laughs> hey, I thought about this, by the way. Uh, I, you're over under on F-bombs last week. You went way over. You, you dropped the most F-bombs I think you've ever dropped in this show. I'm not saying don't stop. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying like you weren't, you weren't fucking around. You came to play. Yeah, last week was rough. Well, yeah. Good way. In a good we, way. Hey, so listen, we talked about last week about uh, ways to channel our negative energies and ways to our coping mechanisms, new coping mechanisms 
Jesse, I, I sent you a few photos of my, my coloring this week. What did you think? I liked them, man. Did you, I, how many sponge, they were all SpongeBob's, right? You, you sent me a SpongeBob and the Mr. Krabs. I did Mr. Krabs you gotta, today. You, you can't leave out Mr. Krabs. But I did Mr. Do, Krabs with a bag of do, money today. You gotta do a fucking Squidward now, though. Dude, Squidward's challenging because of his colors. I'm really trying to go with the most simplest ones. And Squidward's a unique color. So, but but I've I've been thinking Squidward. So I've done Patrick, I've done SpongeBob, I've done Mr. Krabs. And so now I'll do Squidward next. And then I'll probably finish with uh is it Patty? Is that her name? The chipmunk. Oh, the squirrel. Yeah, the squirrel. I'm sorry. Is it Patty? I don't know. I can't remember Me now. either. Jeez, I feel like I should know this one. I feel like I should too. I've only watched Squidward like my all my kids. <laughs> been watch, I've been watching. I was just watching them recently with my kids. So I watch. I watch SpongeBob right the fuck now. That's throw that shit on. So uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, so she's in the coloring book, and I, at some point I'll get to her. I'm just kind of doing them one by one. But uh, hey, we talked Nick, about Nick, a whole Nick. bunch. We talked Nick. about all. We covered it all fucking therapeutic uh you know many different therapeutic ways for our, our fellow dudes to get down ladies you have your own way but if you want to borrow from us go right ahead steal our shit jess i've pulled up some boxing let's seamlessly transition into some boxing we're gonna do i'm guessing here canelo talk ufc recap talk there were uh Two of the worst fights in the history of the UFC and then two incredible bangers. Uh, there's one fight I want to talk about this weekend. I believe combat sports related. Maybe two if I really look at Bellator. So Jess, last weekend was a bit of a, of a unique time. And I heard somebody give this take on another show. Uh, so I can't give credit to who it was. But um, I heard somebody mention, and I think it's true, Canelo fights every time there's a UFC pay-per-view. It's so fucking weird. Um, it used to be great for me when I paid for DAZN because at some point I would just go back and watch Canelo. <clears throat> With me not paying for DAZN anymore, now I've got to find uh, totally illegal ways to rewatch the fight. <laughs> so I did not see the Canelo fight in real time. I did not watch a Canelo fight until today when I told Jess I'm going to go find this fight and then watched it. Um First of all, I don't know if this is a Dana thing, if this is a Canelo promoter thing. If I don't know. Why are you going to have two major combat sports events at, at the same time? That just makes no fucking sense to me, Jess. Do you have any conspiracy on this now that I've laid this out? Uh, if I have anything to say about why Canelo is a fighting every time there's a UFC event, it's because there's 1,500 UFC events. <laughs> you know that's a very good call i didn't think about it like that but the pay-per-views it's not like a fight night they do pay-per-views but you might be right i'd have to go back and, and do all the math there's just so, there's so many <laughs> so at some point during the night somebody texts me and goes holy shit canelo's getting beat up and I go, and I'm just, I'm just thinking, there's no fucking chance this is happening. And I think I got this text during the the Rose Namunes fight, which we'll get to later. But at that point, I'm thinking, should I be trying to find the fucking stream? I know I had the stream on my phone, I just never hit it. Should I be bringing it up? Should I be that guy in my house and be like, oh, by the way, eight people watching this fight, I need you to not give a shit about it anymore because I want to watch the last three rounds of Canelo. But um. I rewatched the fight today 
Um, there's two trains of thought here, Jess, and then I'll let you hop in here. Are you ready for the first one? Let's hear it. First one is Canelo lost his fight. Uh, I did not. Uh, this was a one-sided fight. This was Canelo getting beat up by a bigger dude. This is Canelo not being 20, 15, 10, 12 pounds heavier than his opponent. This is him fighting a dude that was basically the same size as him, not bigger. And this dude was not afraid of his punch. Once this dude sat down and realized, okay, uh, the, this guy has the same pop as everyone else I fought in this division. Um, it, it didn't, uh, it, it, it just didn't register the last, you know, the same way that the Canelo fights had the last, I don't know, 40 or whatever they were. It's interesting when you think about weight cutting as a whole, right? And we talk about it, whether it is wrestling, whether it is combat sports, whether it's boxing. And it's always an unfair advantage, but an advantage, a legal advantage when someone can cut 10, 15, 20 pounds. And this is the first time that Canelo didn't do it. On top of, we hear about vegan Canelo. And I don't know if you've heard this take yet, Jess. Have you heard this take? I have not. I'm very surprised. So, Canelo went vegan with a combination of going up in weight. So he did it the, uh, I guess you'd say the natural way, which I just, I don't know. It just, some of this stuff does not compute, right? Because, because I mean, me personally, when I'm trying to put on more weight for my bench, I'm not going vegan. I'm eating more chicken. I'm eating more beef. I'm trying to drink more protein shakes. I'm trying to drink, eat more greens. Um, so he went vegan for this fight. Um, one up, in weight, which uh, is is my other take. I think him going up in weight and challenging for a belt is something that needs to get a little bit of recognition because it's not like he he took a risk, you know. And and combat sports, we love fighters taking risks. We talk about it all the time. We commend dudes for doing it. We're not commending Canelo for doing it. A lot of uh, the common people, the the fans, are not commending him Canelo for it. Maybe it's because it's a reason to jump on him now and go, look, he lost. So here he is. He should have had a loss at the Triple G fight. He should have had a loss at this fight. Um, but here he's got a loss. So, let, you know, let's really stick it to him. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but I think Cam Canelo should be commended for going up and wait, taking a risk. The reward was still great. Um, whether the risk outweighed the reward, we'll see down the line. I know he... Uh, he did the thing. What do they call it? He reenacted or he registered or he uh, signed off on his rematch clause. And I heard uh, the young man say that he's fighting. Who's name? I'm going to butcher. Uh, Bivol, Dimitri Bivol say, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll drop the five to seven pounds and catch Canelo uh, down there at his weight and take those belts off him, which is intriguing. Um, Jesse, give me some random thoughts on, on some of the shit that I'm saying here as, as well as just your own thoughts, please. No, yeah, I, I totally get where you're going with the uh, the uh, commendation of of uh, of Canelo. I think Canelo should be committed because we've seen it happen before. Uh, fighters go up. I think going up in weight is so much more difficult than dropping down, mm -hmm. at least if you're a combat sports fighter. Uh, we saw uh, um, Jan defeat Izzy. When Izzy tried to go up to light heavyweight, it's so mm -hmm. much more difficult of a task. Mm -hmm. A naturally lighter person going up and fighting a naturally bigger person. And Dimitri Bevel 
I probably butchered his name. Bill. No, you're good. We're in the Bible? we're in the realm. Bible. Bible yeah. goes west. Yes, it's a well, classic. Well, Bible went. He went nuts. Oh, he he He's went all the way up. For one thing, I don't. I didn't know much about this Bible guy. I went and looked him up. I did not know that he's considered the second best active boxer, pound for pound. This guy is no joke. This isn't one of these guys where Canelo was just trying to say, hey, look, I went up a weight class and I whooped this dude's ass. Bivol's for real. He This was a credible been, opponent. He's been, a, he's been the WBA light heavyweight champion since 2017. Okay? He's got a gold medal. This is not some some slack job, you know, you know, guy who Canelo was just was meant to run through. And you could see that the weight up going up in weight really affected Canelo. I had mentioned to you earlier, and I don't know if you agree, but Canelo seemed to lose steam as the fight went on. His punches lost steam as the fight went on. And Bivol just kind of stood in there and was like, "He turned it up. He turned the he turned volume up because up. He, he turned could. the he turned the volume up, and it was impossible he, to give these rounds to Canelo when he's no throwing more volume." Standard fan, combat sports fan, is going to sit there and be like, "Oh man, Canelo won, or he got robbed, or you can I I can see the standard guy or gal saying, "Man, I could have given you know Canelo a couple more rounds," but when you look at it. Bivold actually didn't even start fighting hard until the later rounds. That's what champions do. Champions feel out their opponents early. And then when they know what they got going on, when they know what they got cooking in the, in the kitchen, then they go for it. And he turned it up, man. He let those, he let those gloves go. Yeah. And a, lot, a lot of jabs, off straight, straight left hand. He he just beat him up. He just beat him up with straight, just straight punches. This guy is no joke. He's the uh, light heavyweight champion for a reason, and he's beaten a lot of credible opponents. I do want to say that I agree with uh, your take on, uh, you know, just giving uh, Canelo kind of a thumbs up, man, for you know the good, giving it the good college try. You know, it's like I said, again, it's so hard to go up and wait and fight a naturally bigger dude. He's running out of challenge. He ran out of challenges. He cleared his division out, basically. And, and, and here's the thing. For anybody who wants to negate the greatness that Canelo has given us for such a long time, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. When you go up and you fight a guy of this nature, Dimitri is, again, a great, phenomenal boxer. Champion and you know gold medal winner, you lose nothing of credibility when you lose to a guy like that, especially when you go up a weight class. I will say this: if Canelo had gone down a weight class and gotten his ass handed to him, now we're talking a different. You know, it's a different category. Mm -hmm. Canelo going down, he's generally the bigger dude in his own weight class. He's generally the bigger dude. You go, you drop a weight class. And you lose like that. Now we're thinking, damn, what happened to Canelo? He went up. He lost. It, it was uh, a good outing. It was by no means did he look terrible. He just got he was outmatched and in, in, in uh, dare I say outweighted. Yep. And uh, that's what happens, man. It just happens that way. <laughs> the rematch is clearly what's next. So there's no yes. reason to do a ton of what ifs or, or what do we do next with these two guys. It's it's got to be a rematch. If Bavall can make 168 and they can do this at, at super middleweight, 
And now Canelo is more at that natural standard weight. Um, I think the fight's a, a little bit more intriguing because there's a, there's a lot more on the line. Now Canelo's belts are on the line um, and, and the history truly shifts. Um, I'm, I'm really interested here, Jess. Uh, let's touch on the past UFC here, the, uh, the week that was, hey, if you will. Quick, before we, we, before we move in, we move so quick. Let's, let's stick with the boxing for a minute. We have Barlow Castano, too. All right, I, go ahead. That, this is your opportunity, my guy. This is your opportunity to really stick it to the boxing world and, or the, the, the UFC fanatics. Uh, I, get, I, I, got, I, have a, I have 10 seconds worth of takes on this fight. I can't, I, can't, I can't see a scenario where Charo gets outboxed. I think Charo is one of the top boxers uh, at that weight class. And uh, I am interested in this fight. I'll keep an eye on it. I might, I might end up. Oh, you know what? I'm actually going to be at a play Saturday night. It's, how, how uppity does that sound? How, how talking about Five will goes west and uh, Canelo going and Bivol going way up. Uh, I'll be up at a play watching. Uh, you know, being fancy, fancy schmancy. But but uh, Charlo's the real deal, and I think Charlo's going to outbox him. He's much like Errol Spence, there's a little bit of shoe shine there. I don't think he's got a ton of knockout power there. Um, but uh, I I am interested in seeing this fight. Um, I, I don't think uh, is it this Brian Castano is a, is a enormous um, like a threat. I know he's 17 and 0, but I just I, I just don't think he's a big threat. I think this is kind of one of those mandatory fights for, for Charo. And and the Charo brothers are something to watch. They're very entertaining. Um, I, I, I Again, I'll keep an eye out for this. But, uh, I mean, again, I'll, I'll be at a place. So I'll probably miss. I'll probably, I'll probably catch the tail end of it on my phone or something like that. Do you have a take on this fight, Jess? Because, again, I, I – I mean, it'll be good. It'll be good. I don't know. If no, it will be. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's can't miss. To be honest with you, no. It okay. So, uh, Canelo, Bivol. It was, I believe, a should not have been missed type fight. I I know that you had things going on. A lot of UFC fans were watching the UFC card, and it was a big card. We're gonna get to that here in a minute. Uh, but Charlo, I think uh, this is. Kind of one of those mandatory rematch type. Oh deals. yeah, you know what? Now that I'm going back and I'm looking at it here and I'm looking at some of the numbers, you know what? I I, I think I actually scored that first fight for Castano. I get the Charo brothers mixed up, so this is the one that lost, right? Or the one that should have lost. Yes. So uh, actually, okay, so Jess, good eye. Good is, eye. This is Jamel a good fight. We, this is actually a great fight. Um, this is going to be a good fight. It's yeah, it's actually a great fight. Yeah. So now but, that I'm re- but, now that I'm recapping the last uh, fight in the back of my head here, yeah, you yes. a call. That's it. That's a fantastic call. So, again, I, I do think that Charlo is going to win this fight. He's going to win by points. Uh, I think that he'll retain his championship. He, he's, a, he's a different class of fighter. Uh, speaking of along the lines of a Canelo, he is a different class of fighter. I think he will simply outbox. Uh, yeah, he's not, he's not, yeah, he's not, he fell, he fell on a firefight's last fight, which happens yeah. sometimes. He's not making those same mistakes. But I just, I just wanted to bring that up. I think it's a good fight coming no, up. No, that's a great call. And so, uh, with that being said, I think that we both now have declared Charlo, you know, he's going to win this fight uh, by points. Again, I, I also agree with you. He's got power, but it's not that unnatural Chuck Liddell 
from the hip knockout type power. It's interesting. It's inter- it's interesting because Castano last fight basically went, I'm gonna take the fight to you. I'm gonna get in your chest and make this a phone booth fight. It's it's the same thing that happened with Errol Spence against Oscar Valdez a few weeks ago, where we all thought, well, Spence still has a little bit of shoe shine in his gloves. He doesn't have a ton of pop. It doesn't hurt guys. And then that fight was the fight where you went, damn actually He's he's maturing now, and you see that pop in his gloves, and you see he can actually fuck a guy up when, when he turns that shoe shine into hooks. When he turns that hook and can put some pop behind it, um, so uh, I I think we might get the same in this fight. So so we'll see. It's interesting to see. Good call though, Jess. Good call. Let's hop into the UFC. Let's hop into that main card here. There's four fights I really want to touch on. Of course, if you want, we can jump into some of the uh, the undercard stuff here, Jess. But I think we should really be touching on that main card, right? That's really where the That's the, where the, se- the 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 sexo was. Let's start with what was absolutely terrible, which was Shogun versus OSP. Oh. We spent so much time last week talking about how great Shogun was and how and how historic and and we hope that he doesn't get lost in the lore of MMA when that tale is written about the first 100 years of of mixed martial arts and and what happened overseas and in Japan and in Russia and all these different countries um with that said he still he he looked like a 40 year old dude who has been fighting for 20 years OSP kicked him in his body and his body just turned red as all um, uh, this fight was the definition of boring, and I, honestly, Jess, I mean, I couldn't give it to Shogun. I just couldn't because I thought OSP did a little bit more with the kicks and a little bit more just touching him up when he did. There were some terrible exchanges. There were moments where you see Shogun bite down in his mouthpiece and, and let his hands go, but OSP never really fell into those traps, and, and when he did get hurt, it, it never really did much. Um, give me some thoughts on this fight. Uh, yeah, super. If there's something below mid, that's what this fight was. It's a boring that category, super boring, super sad for a guy like me who's such a huge Shogun fan. But you know what? On the other hand, to be Mr. Positivity here. There we go. Turning it around. This is what you do Shogun best. Shogun is a 40-year-old dude who's been fighting for years, man. He, he Remember how we talk about how bad Noguera used to look at the tail end of his career? Remember how we talk about how it looks like sometimes Jericho wrestles in quicksand? Yeah. This is what Shogun looked like in a cage. like He was fighting in quicksand. And if and again to keep it on the positive side of things, Shogun has fought the who's who of the mixed martial arts world, and yes, he got badly knocked out by OSP like what four fucking years ago. It, it was we, also yeah. it was also a weird slip and fall type thing where he just lands weird, and OSP did what he was supposed to do. You jump on a guy, it doesn't matter. A guy slips and falls, you don't say, "Hey, man." Go ahead and get back up. Let's let's go. Let's square up again. No, you jump on that because you want to win the fight. You want to make some money. That's what OSP did. To again, put this fight where it is. Shogun is the guy who has been uh, middleweight Grand Prix champion in Pride. He has been in wars, just crazy wars with the who's who again of mixed martial arts. 
And I just want to say, if you're OSP, I get it. He's not much younger than Shogun, but he's not been in the wars. He's not had the names, the credibility that Shogun carries. To go into a fight like this, I felt like OSP naturally is more of an athlete than Shogun is and probably has been forever. And to go into that fight and just look so super mid, I think that this turns around and looks worse for Ovin St. Prue than it did for the... No, for, nobody yep. won. No, Nobody won this fight. OSP didn't win this fight. Shogun didn't win this fight. The fans didn't win this fight. The people that paid hard-earned money like myself to pay for this did not win this fight. And then the the chef's kiss, of course, is Shogun at the end saying, oh, you know, I do got one more fight on my contract. I mean, I might mean, as well fight it out. I, I don't want to see Shogun fight anymore, especially after this. I don't even want to see him on the seniors tour. I don't want to see him fight Dan Henderson in Strike Force. I don't. I'm done. Just and again, we love Shogun. We spent way too much time on this fight. We spent a ton of time on Shogun last we week, so we'll, so we'll keep it moving. But this let me say this. Let me say this. When they kicked this card off, Jess, this Randy Brown versus Chaos Williams fight, and we talked about it a little bit last week. Yeah, this dude, Randy Brown, is going to be good. He's got. He puts himself in in scenarios where he can get caught with kicks, high kicks. He pulls back a lot. He pulls straight back, which is which is dangerous. But he shows the fluidity. I think that's the second time I've said this this show of an Anderson Silva. When he gets in there and he's comfortable and he really starts moving, I don't like when he switches stances. But he's he's just his kicks and his hands and the way that he fights. It's 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 very nice. And uh, I would not be surprised. We said it last week. We'll say it again this week. I would not be surprised if we see these guys fight again a year or two down the road. But uh, close fight. I gave Randy Brown two of the three rounds. Uh, any thoughts on this, Jess? I basically gave the fight to chaos. I said, hey, look, oh, wow. that's going to come. Well, no, I mean. Before, it was close. It was close. I do. I think that Randy won two of the three. Mm-hmm. He's fought a very smart and calculated fight. He did leave himself open at times, so he's going to have to clean that up if he fights, you know, that upper echelon, you know, of that weight class. But I also think that Chaos Williams has a lot to offer. And I would love to see these two fight again down the road, yeah, especially, and you know, I, I, we talk about camp changes sometimes. I would like to see what both these men do with a camp change. Mm-hmm. A change of scenery sometimes can do a world of great uh, for a fighter. I would like to see these two just get better. And uh, But as far as this fight goes, it was not what I thought it was going to be. A little mid. Oh, wow. A little mid. I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, it was fun. There were moments. There were spots. There were spots. I, 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 I'm picking up. It was fun. I'm picking up what you're putting down. It wasn't. It wasn't. There were. The thing is, there were such exciting fights on here that when you try and put it on a scale with with the the two banger banger fights, like those were such banger fights that this. I mean. The curtain jerker, it kind of was what it was. But I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed the chess match of it. I enjoyed the, the, the chaos. When he did land, he hurt Randy Brown. Yeah, he did. Um, but 
but Brown is, is just slick and those kicks are dangerous. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Randy Brown. I would not be surprised to see him headline one of these uh, oversaturated uh, fight nights that we talk about. There's too many of. Let's get the Nama Nunes versus Esparza fight out of the way. And I and I will say this, and uh, we say it coming from a place of love because we say it every time we talk about Rose. We love her on the show. This was the worst fight that I think I've ever seen ever. I mean, it was bowling shoe ugly, boring, and bad. Just disinteresting as all fuck. Um, there was a moment, and I know I tweeted about it. I think it was the first or second round. I was like, okay, this is a bit of a chess match here. But I'm intrigued. I was taking the bait. I was interested in watching Rose, waiting for Rose to, to take the chance. But Rose... Never took the chance. I don't know if she was just so intimidated by Carla's takedowns and, and the effectiveness of it. And maybe she just had the thought process of, man, if I get taken down once, I lose this round. But uh, she did fucking nothing in this fight. And I don't think Carla did much of shit any either. I saw people going old school and saying, hey, man, I wish I could score some of these rounds 10-10s. Is it legal to score some of these rounds 10-10s? And if some of these scorecards came back with 10-10s, for either of the first two or three rounds, I would not be disappointed because anytime I see a round and go, you know, I'm trying to find, pick out the one part of action within the round that determined who won that round. That's a fucking bad fight. And when I have to do that three or four of the five rounds, that's the worst fucking fight I've ever watched. Jess. Yeah. Especially when it's a championship fight. Uh, I do have to agree that the fight was super mid, maybe even below mid as far as a championship fight is concerned. Oh, it was, Jess, it was the worst fight ever. I'm uh, telling you. Let's Tell not, me a worst fight. Look, two people, highly decorated as both of these women are, uh, in a championship fight, you're, you're going to run into a wall uh, as far as uh, – you know, strategy is concerned. And I think that that's what both these women can, ran into this, this strategic wall. They were trying to figure each other out so much that it made the fight, you know, a little less than entertaining. Yes. But I, I, I want to say that it, it, even though it's not something I want to watch again, and I hope Please. that two ladies get to the chance to fight again, that, you know, they'll leave a little bit more, you know, in the cage. But as far as what happened that night, I got to say, man, uh, they just were trying to figure each other out. And both both ladies got scared to kind of just take chances and take chances. And that's what happens in fights like this. You, you don't want to lose uh, titles by getting knocked out and getting submitted. But sometimes, you know, in order to try to not lose the fight, you know, you come off uh, a little slow. Uh, what I took out of that fight was later when they were talking to Rose after the post fight. And she was like, man, she was like, I don't know what these judges were looking at, you know? Yeah, she's got, she's got takes. You know, she's listening. She's a former listener of this show. She's a former listener of this show, confirmed. Yeah. So, but I will she's, say, she's, if she's got the, she's kind of, kind of got the same thought process of, as us sometimes. The post fight rose kind of caught me with that whole well maybe she wasn't super mentally there and you, we, you you did a little bit of this last week so. yeah 
And we talked about this before. When Rose is on fire, when she is just mopping the the the, the canvas up with ladies, she's all hundred percent mentally squared away. And I would like to think that she was probably in the range of eighty-five to ninety percent mentally there. But man, she left that little bit. So at- let me say this. Um, first of all, Jess, what what was the worst fight? That fight or Naganu versus the Black Beast? Oh, Naganu Black Beast by really? far. Yes. Two heavyweights? Four men yeah. just looking sloppy as hell. One who ends up, you know, being what many yeah. people consider to be the most dangerous man on the planet. Give me a break, man. Both those these are, got those are bad facts. Their hands, and none of them could do anything with it. You really, you're, you're, you are doubling down, and that's good. I'm, that's why I threw it out because I mean, the hot take, and you know, hashtag MMA Twitter, and all of our friends, they always are going to go with the moment, right? We're always. Uh, creatures of the moment on social media um so she lewd that that's the most boring fight of all time of the moment and uh i don't know if anyone said that well what about naganu versus the black beast i think you've got a very good point there which is these are two basically super heavyweights so there should be more action so um i look at the rose and i think it was andrade right wasn't that who she fought andrade or i can't i can't remember I look at that fight. That was one of the more action-packed fights because they were both willing to engage. You look at her uh, fight against the young lady from China whose name I can never say, and I don't have a fucking computer in front of me now because I've stepped away from the computer, so can't remember her name. An incredible fight, but the reason they had that, was it Zing? The reason they had that was because they were both willing to engage. This was a styles clash like you would not believe which led to the, uh, I mean, okay, if you want to say it's the second worst fight of all time. It was ugly. I'll give it you- was the worst title fight I've ever seen, Jess. And I can, I can go with chess match for, for so long. I can go with styles, make fights. I can go with the clash. I can go with all that. But I've also got to go with, man, you got to fucking engage, though. At some point, you got to engage. After four, after the fourth or fifth round, and I know it, and I know they did increase it a little bit after the fourth and fifth round. But, man, by that point, fuck, you've lost me. It's just, it's too, it's just too fucking boring. So, um, I know you said you want to see a rematch of this fight. I don't know if I want to. I see do. A fucking, I no, don't know if I want to see. A rematch. I really do. I think that this. I don't know. I think that this fight, I think the the caliber of fighters, I think that they deserve a rematch. Uh, I think Carla, if she really wants to cement her, she keeps talking about legacy. Yeah, third if she fight. Wants to cement her legacy, I think that she's going to have to have one of those, you know, wins against Rose where it's just a dominating uh, type win. And this was not a domination yeah. of any kind. It was the opposite. In fact, like, I mean... If if you could have done it, I would have like maybe even said shit, man. It's close to a draw. Like let's do, let's do this one more time and see if these ladies' looks change. Um, for those of you out there who are under the uh, umbrella of this is the most boring fight, uh, at least most boring championship fight of all time, I can completely see where you're coming from. But like Jay had mentioned just a few minutes ago, stylistically, that's what you get sometimes when you have two grapplers 
fighting each other in a title fight. Or also just Rose afraid to throw kicks or engage because she's afraid of Carla trying to take her down. And Carla afraid to make mistakes shooting because she doesn't want to eat a high knee or, or get knocked out with a strike because Rose is incredible at counter strikes to knock fucking people out. We've seen it, you know, as many times as she's been in the cage. Um, I, listen, agree to disagree, Jess. I want no part of this rematch. I understand why you do. There were two incredible fights on this card. Let's talk about them here. Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. Uh, you know, it's interesting here. I feel like there's a shift with the UFC fans who three or four fights ago were very anti-Michael Chandler and were very, this guy's from Bellator. He's a fucking bum. This bloke hasn't beat anybody outside of a pit bull. He strung together incredible win losses and, and even in defeat, his fights are great. Um, this fight was interesting for a round. We got flashes of the old Tony. And then we got one of the most brutal highlight knockouts of the year. And we're about halfway through the year now. Uh, give me some thoughts on this, Jess. I think that uh, last week when we were discussing this fight, um, I had picked Tony <laughs> Ferguson to win this fight. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was going to find a way to get it to the ground. He was going to find a way to get uh, one of them slick subs in on Chandler. who Sneaky helped- rubber guard. He, you know, he is open to that type of, of, of uh, ground attack. Um, what I did not see was how slow Tony really was in real life. He looked slow. He moved slower. He didn't look like he knew where he was. He looked as if he was fighting in quicksand. Mm. And uh, Chandler took full advantage. And that was one of the, like you said, one of the highlight knockouts of the year for sure, if not the best of the year so far. Uh, But man, it's not like the Anderson Silva front kick to Vitor. It's not like the Machida crane kick to Randy knocking out his tooth. It was like a sidekick type thing. And it just all foot on all of Tony's side of his face. And man, so brutal. Uh, and, and the worst part was was just kind of seeing Tony Ferguson lying there. Yeah, but seemed like an eternity before There's he that, was able to. to it's get- the worst moment in all of combat sports where nobody wants to say it out loud, but everybody's thinking, "Is he dead? Please get him on a stool." It was nasty. And it's the worst because we've all watched enough fights to where we know okay, they're not showing him. And it's been 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. And there's a different camera angle and a different camera angle. And now we're going into a minute. And now you see Chandler trying to walk over there, but they're not letting him over there. And it's every yellow, which turns into red flag, where you go, all right, this guy's not fucking waking up yet. This is This is taking some time. Which happens sometimes when you get fucking yeah. knocked out, right? We see a lot of flash knockouts. We see a lot of guys get knocked out, choked out, pop right the fuck back up within 15 seconds and go, what just happened? Uh, this did not happen. This took Tony some time to uh, come back from the nether realm, the uh, shadow realm, 
queer street, whatever we're calling it now. And um, that was fucking brutal. And I hate that moment where I'm in a room with dudes that I've watched, you know, a hundred fights with Brian, shout out Brian, be black five, five, nine. And you just go, okay, Tony, get up, get up. That's what you're, that's, it sucks. Um, When I see someone get knocked out like that, I just don't want to see him fight again. I just don't. I don't want. I don't want you to go through that BJ Penn portion of your career. I don't want you going through that Frankie Edward court portion of your career. We don't need to see it. I think the Darius fight was kind of the the hint, like, okay, here's where Tony's at. We gotta be careful here. Um, and then you just get something like this. And um, you know, we should be talking about Chandler because he's <laughs> a fucking hot ticket here. He might. He might be next in line for Red Panty Night. And I don't know. <laughs> I, has it been two episodes since we've talked about Connor? Has it been three? I don't, it's been a while. So it's, it might be fucking time. Tis the season. Um, you know, we get into that July area. It's time for that fucking Connor payday. Um, Jess, any more thoughts on, on the Chandler thing before we move on to the main event? Uh, two things. One, I would really, really love to see versus Chandler. <laughs> I really, really don't want to see Conor McGregor ever. And oh. I wish that people would stop calling him out after every single fight. It seems like that's just the thing to do now. I get it. If it's if money, Conor, it, it, it's just money. It's, it's to, only money, Jess. You, that, if you that, get it, it. And you realize these guys just think it's a quick and easy payday. And it I would be, be mad. if he can actually fight, if he can actually pass a drug test. If he can actually stop beating people up in bars and and being thrown in the, you know, being thrown in the clink, yeah. like let, let's 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 think about it a minute first, folks. You want to talk? Uh, you want to talk about it, someone that's not a vegan right now? Yeah, I know, right? Connor is not a vegan. He is he is heavy on the juice. Is he is he using? <laughs> hey, listen, allegedly that's your. your uh, I mean, uh, again, you might have been to a gym or two, Jess. You might have lifted a dumbbell or two. You might have more of a keen eye on this than I. So I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go with the reckless speculation there. And I'll just kind of ride that wave. But, I mean, he is looking fucking diesel as fuck right now. And he's going to make 170? I don't know. I don't know if you can make 170. And, I, and I mean, I know, I know Chandler said 170 and he'd fight at. But, man, that, that, again, you're just chasing a bag, Jess. Of course. Uh, everybody wants that money and the trail of money leads to Conor McGregor. But again, the biggest uh, situation is trying to get him to actually sign a contract and compete in a fight. And and piss clean. And you're right, dude. It's a lot. It's a, there's, there's some moving parts. And when you're dealing with a dude who doesn't live payday to payday fight by fight, like 95% of other fighters, that's a different cat and that's, you know, and if he doesn't, and you know, if the, if the fight doesn't happen or if he has to pull out a week before or some shit pops, he's just gonna go, eh, Oh, well, Dana reschedule it and I'll be there. But that's kind of, it, it's, it's an enormous shift. Let's but, touch. With that being said, congratulations to Michael Chandler. It was a yes. hell of a mm-hmm. and, and we're obviously going to see him in a big fight. You know, whatever he fights or whoever he fights next is going to be huge. Because there's no way you can back down from that. You 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 knock out Tony Ferguson like that. All you got is up. We uh, as far as Tony's concerned, 
right? I know that for, just from like a, a fan's standpoint, I don't think that he has much left in the tank as far as the chin is concerned. I think physically he can compete still and he can compete at a, at a certain level. But, man, that chin has been tested, and it is broke. Yeah. I would really like people to get in his ear and try to talk him into doing some of those other things he was talking about wanting to do, baseball or softball or whatever the hell he wants to do. Just I'm not sure if fighting is the right career path from here on out. We talk about this all the time with fighters. They, they have some type of social media influence. They have other ways to uh, bring in some cash. Maybe it's time to hang them up and just fucking pick up whatever you can. My man has four bad fights here. All right. He got destroyed by Gaethje. He got beat up by Charles. He got absolutely grapple fucked by Darius and he got knocked out devastatingly uh, by Chandler. So, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall. And and as we said last week, we keep going back to last week. We, I believe when he went, you know, is this microphone on? I'm going to say a bunch of shit here. When he went CM Punk pipe bomb, it, I think he did it for a reason. Yeah. You know, same reason CM Punk did it because he knew, all right, my window's closing here. So let me get my shit off here because I might not have this opportunity or this platform again. So kudos to him. And uh, again, I'm going to leave it at that, Jess. We had an incredible championship fight here. I love Justin Gaethje. I love Charles Oliveira. I love this fight. I love the fact that we knew. This fight was probably going to end violently, and boy, did it. Um, this motherfucker truly had a final destination written all over it. You could tell within 30 to 45 seconds of these guys throwing chingazos, someone's about to fucking need some some heat, some serious heat here. Um, Charles has this incredible ability just to get dropped by punches and either pop right the fuck back up or go, yeah, I'm down here and I'm cool. Do you want to jump in my guard? And people just choose not to. And I understand why. Um, give me some thoughts on this electrifying fucking firework of a fight match type. Uh, give me some thoughts here, Jess. Yeah, man. Both these guys are uh, tremendous athletes, uh, tremendous fighters. Both are coming in with uh, uh, sizzling resumes. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, Justin Gaethje has never – uh, put on a boring fight probably ever in his life. He was probably five years old, beating up his little brother in the crib and still was throwing heaters and uh, making his, his dad go, damn, son, got, got some heat behind that. Because this guy just, he's not boring. Justin, Justin, Justin Gaethje made World Series of Fighting entertaining. That's how entertaining that fucking guy is. Uh, on the other hand, you got Charles DeBronx, Oliveira, and I got to say one thing, man. I I count this guy out pretty much his last two or three fights. And I have got to stop because his evolution at his age, I know he's not old, old, but he's, you know, maybe he's in that prime. But the evolution of the Bronx has been an outstanding thing to watch. The way that he used to just be a grappler, a submission artist. And then he took his game and he said, you know what? I'm losing these strikers. 
I need to learn how to strike. I need to learn how to punch. I need to learn how to kick. I need to learn how to grapple. And- I need to evolve if I'm going to be a great. And that's exactly what he did. Now he's out here peppering dudes with with uh, punches. He's throwing kicks. He's throwing knees. Um, I mean, everything that he does just looks so good now. And he looks like um, a complete fighter. He looks like that complete, well-rounded fighter. And that's why he's the champion. And everybody, except for probably people in his camp and his, and his mom and dad, you know, probably counted him getting knocked out by Gaethje. Especially with the coming in uh, half a pound overweight and all that mess that happened the day before, people were counting him out, saying that he was gonna, you know, he was overrated. He was gonna, you know, Gaethje's the guy, and he proved everybody wrong yet again, including myself. This man is—he's—he's he's so good at what he does. Is he the best lightweight of all time, Jess? He is not the best lightweight of all time. You still think it's Khabib? I think that Khabib would beat him. I didn't ask you that. I said, do oh, you, you, you want to know who I think the best lightweight in the world is of all time? All time, BJ Penn. Oh wow, that's a hot take. I think who's, BJ who's Penn, two? So is Khabib BJ two? His prime is Khabib two. Oh, that, that that's a sizzling take, by the way. Where yeah. you're going with that? BJ um, Penn in his prime beats Khabib. He beats Charles. He beats them all. I guarantee it. That's a, that's okay. an, that is a sizzling take, by the way. That's just that's I can't I I can't even wrap my head around that. But I want you to tweet that later. I just I I need to absorb all that because I honestly would agree with you on the Khabib thing. I think Prime BJ, man, but I don't know. So Prime BJ beats fucking uh, Prime Khabib, and here's why: because I think Prime Khabib was just as good as Prime Matt Hughes, and I saw BJ Penn beat that guy so at 170 so i i don't i don't know man fuck um so who would you have as number two would you have khabib or would you have charles uh i if i had to pick between one of those two i would take uh khabib i think khabib i know that his resume people like to go to his resume and say i'm about to i'm about to fucking shit i'm about to urinate on it here you go. So you and along with a lot of other people are going to say, well, he's not beaten this guy. He's not fought. This guy's not done that. You take Charles Oliveira's resume and you stack that and say, hey, you know what? We're going to have all these guys that Charles beat. We're going to have him fight Khabib. Khabib beats every single one of them. Anybody? I, I don't know. Aye, aye, aye. Khabib beats them. Simple fact is this. I have never That's a seen, great take. I have never seen a wrestler – Outside of George St. Pierre, George St. Pierre's grappling, I believe, is the, to be the best grappling in mixed martial arts history. And there's another sizzling take for you. George St. Pierre can, can take anybody down and keep them down and keep taking you down. I think and that's just fair. grind you out. Khabib's wrestling is probably better than that. I think and, that's fair as fuck. And he is in, he is so intense. With his, I mean, he will shoot and he will just drive on you and drive on you and drive on you. And even if he gets you down to one leg, he will keep driving on you. The guy's gas tank is unlimited. It's unlimited. And his, the pressure that he keeps, he doesn't just take you down and then pop you a couple of times and get back up. 
he smothers your entire body. He's like a, a human blanket that weighs 400 pounds. Because I've never seen anybody be able to just get right back up from a Khabib takedown. And when you've got that on your belt, when that's on your tool belt to use, you can beat anybody in the world. Jesse, here are the last 10 fights of Khabib's career. And this goes back spanning eight years. Thiago Tavares, he knocked him out in one round. Abel Trujillo, decision. Pat Healy, decision. Shout out the dude who uh, came at me on Twitter over Pat Healy and defending that fight. Um, <laughs> decision, RDA. He knocked out Daryl Horcher. He submitted Michael Johnson. Decision, Edson Barbosa. Decision, Alaquinta. He submitted Connor. He submitted Dustin Poirier, and he submitted Justin Gaethje. Here are Charles' last 10 fights. Submission, Clay Gita. Submission, Cristianos Yagos. Submission, Jim Miller. Submission, David Tamur. Knockout, Nick Lentz. Knockout, Jared Gordon. Submission, Kevin Lee. Decision, Tony Ferguson. Knockout, Michael Chandler. Submission, Dustin Poirier. Submission, Justin Gahey. He's done that all in the last four years, going back to 2018. So um, one would argue, and that one would be me, that <laughs> this pedigree within the last four years is a lot better than Khabib's in the last seven Um it's just the knockouts and the submissions versus the better talent. Now, to your argument, where I think you're right, you can take those dudes and throw them at Khabib, and Khabib might fuck all those dudes up, and there's some dudes on that list that Khabib did fuck up. So you're good there. But I think if I'm just going, I'm going to compare the resumes, and that's what I'm doing when I'm doing the greatest of all time comparison. I think Charles is right there now. I don't know how you, I don't, I, I'm, I'm done saying that he's not, I'm just done. I, I'm not. And that's, you know, some people are going to say, Hey, that's me just hating on Khabib. And I think that's fair. I just, I've, I've always kind of been like eh, Khabib as the, as the goat. I mean, it's, it's there, the pedigrees there, but I just, I think he just got surpassed right now. Cause it's, it's the finishes, Jess. It's, the, it's not just the, it's not just the pedigree. It's the finishes. They're but all finishes, Jess. You have to look at this. Nine way. out of ten are finishes. You got to look at this. Yes, Khabib's got a lot of decisions. Why? Because he is a primarily a wrestler. That the doesn't mean he can't finish, guys. Now, here's the thing, though. He's not necessarily looking for finishes. I think that in his head, he's looking to beat up physically and mentally his opponent until they break. No. And what better way to do that than by just holding them down and smashing their head in for 15 to 25 minutes at a time and this guy his uh the last few fights that he's had he's had uh submission wins against conor mcgregor we were just talking about conor mcgregor everybody wants to call out conor mcgregor i want to fight conor mcgregor you I fuck me conor too McGregor. i've been calling him out on instagram him and the paul brothers khabib didn't only he didn't just beat him he made him quit he made the most famous irishman of all time quit and that is something that only a few people, if any, can really say. Nate Diaz got a big win over him, and then he came back, and Connor finished him. If Connor comes back today, 
And he fights Khabib today. Khabib's beating him again. Yeah. They can fight in the street if Khabib fucking beats his ass. There I, it is. Get, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, can, I'm just of the firm that. opinion that they fight 10 out of 10 times. He's going to always beat Connor because Connor has chicken legs and Khabib, Khabib looks at chicken legs and eats them for fucking lunch. So I, um, Justin, should we, like, going back to the fight, um, shout out to Justin Gaethje, who was game as fuck and who I believe uh, hurt Charles and busted him up. But it feels like every fight now, Charles gets a little bit hurt. He gets a little bit busted up. He leaves himself a little bit open here for a what if. I think that's why if Chandler got a rematch with Charles, I'd be fine with it because there was that moment where I was like, damn, Chandler's about to finish Charles. What if? Um, so so I'm interested there. But going back, let's kind of put a cap on it. Jess, do you have any last thoughts on that fight? No, the only thing is, is something that you mentioned earlier about Charles Oliveira. His his way of getting popped and getting knocked down and recouping so quickly, whether back to his feet or or trying to draw somebody into his guard. I think that that's the reason why Michael Chandler, Michael Chandler, he fucked Charles up. Mm-hmm. He knocked him down good. I don't know why Chandler didn't try. He had him in a bad ground and pound, and I need to go back and, and check my old ESPN Plus because I don't remember if the round ended or if Charles just kicked him up and and, and Chandler let him up after he got Chandler, kicked off. Chandler, I think, was worried about what would happen. You can feel if you've ever he was grappled. He was beating his ass in that ground and pound for a minute because yeah. I remember there was a strong moment where I was like, they're going to stop this fight. If you maybe it was a millisecond where I was like, they're about, they're about Charles is fucked. He's getting fucked up. So again, I I just think that people are worried that even Charles Olvera on the ground, half dead, is that dangerous that you have to be aware of where he's at, his arms, his legs. Yes, but his 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 jujitsu move on Gaethje. Where he traveled from the arm to back around to the neck was such a elite next level jujitsu move that you never fucking see in a cage. And I made it a point to point this out to everybody fucking watching this fight in my house. And I rewound it because I was like, look what he does right here. Fluidity, third time, Jess. The fluidity he shows in a fight under duress, possibly dizzy because he got his fucking head dribbled there for a second to spin around and come around that. I believe it was his right arm and then lock on a choke and then reposition his arms for the squeeze and finish. Damien Maya level. Next level jujitsu that you never fucking see. And that is why Jess, when he gets dropped, guys are like, no, nah, I'm cool. Go ahead and pop right back. Get, get back up. Let's see what you got in yep. your standing. I'm good here. Um, God, that was next level. Um, quickly here, Jess, and then maybe maybe we'll hop into, into hoops because I do have this one fight I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh gun to your head right now, who gets Connor? Is it who who's the next fight? Connor Chandler. Connor Charles, Charles Chandler too. Uh, I think I think uh, Charles Chandler too. I, I honestly don't see Connor fighting at least until uh, end of summer type. And when he fights, it's not going to be Chandler. 
I honestly think it's going to be, uh, I mean, we could even see a third, we could see a trilogy between uh, Nate and, and, and Connor as far as Nate's last fight or whatever. I think he's got a fight left in the, in, on his contract. Um, I don't think that we see Poye fight Connor. Uh, shoot, man, I don't know. I, I think that before we even see Connor fight again this year, we probably see Chandler Charles too. Paul Daly is fighting this weekend against a guy named Wendell Giacomo. Uh, Paul Daly has more losses than Wendell Giacomo has combined fights. But Cheetah is fighting Fabian Edwards, and Logan Storley is fighting Michael Venom Page. Here's one of those random London, England fights. They flew some poor American bloke over to get fucking jobbed out by Michael Fucking Venom MVP. Is it Venom or is it MVP? Or is it both? What are they calling him? Uh, I prefer the MVP. Okay, it's MVP. Let's go with that. Um, I'm not even going to allow you to spend time on that fight. I'm just going to seamlessly transition to the one fight that I want you to talk about here. Jan Blockowicz, he's back. He went from the hottest commodity. He went from the, is he best pound for pound in the world? He went from, this is the guy that's going to beat uh, Bones Jones to he's fighting on one of the spam cards <laughs> against Alexander Rockick. Uh, Jess, who you got? Uh, I got Rockick. Are you serious? Rock- yes, God, I- your dick is so big right I'm now. Dead serious. Jesus. I- Look, I have never had a lot of faith in, in Young. I you are doubling down. I think he's a decent guy. I love you doubling down, by the I- way. I think that uh, – you know, his win against Izzy is probably going to go down in his career as the biggest win of his entire career when it's all said and done. I don't think that he will have a bigger win than that. Even his light heavyweight championship reign, I think that that win against Izzy is going to be the fight that he goes back to every wow. time he's sitting at a, at a pub with his boys. He's going to be like, oh, remember that Izzy Adesanya guy? Yeah, I beat him. I beat him. That's going to be, the, that's going to be his go-to. Wow. I think Rakic is a whole different animal. He's got hard, heavy strikes. He's a decent grappler. He's not going to look for a submission. He's going to look for that finish. And I think that he's going to get the finish on Jan. All of us, all the homies that were on the Jan hype train, that were in that front fucking cargo, living the dream, eating caviar, and just fucking dancing to the chill vibe music. Uh, We were all derailed. When Jan, when our Jan, when our boy uh, Jan lost it, when he lost the fucking Glover Texera, and we got this great Glover De- Texera redemption story. Meanwhile, our boy looked like shit. He just fucking no call, no showed, and got really out grappled and out beaten, out smartened by by just the older Glover. He hasn't done shit since then. This might be a trending up versus trending down fight, Jess. And this is where I think you might be sniffing something out. This is where I think you might be on to something. But I am going to disagree because I am still on that Black Witch hype train. And I'm sticking with it. I think he wins this fight. I think he comes back. I think he fights a tough fight round, five rounds. And he gets us a five-round decision. And that is my take. If you got nothing else to suggest, we can wrap up the MMA. We can go to the NBA here. Let's get to the playoffs, baby. That's what's our, the that's the important thing right now. Our uh, playoffs. Our last Before take. We- our last show, Jess. We had buried two teams who <laughs> have now somehow made like these. like the great Undertaker. The risen. has risen. 
The teams have risen from the grave. They're going to go back. They're, they're going to hang Stone Cold Steve Austin up from the rafters. And they're going to drop to a knee and roll their eyes and raise their hand. Jess, um, do you remember a month ago when I said, uh, hey, there's one team in the West that I'd probably watch out for, and it's it's the Mavs, because who knows what the fuck happens with Luka. And uh, then two weeks ago, I was like, Hey, you know what the Mavs are doing without Luca? They're just shooting 53s a game. And if they fucking lose by 20, they're good with it. Because if they, they would rather lose by 20 and, and, or shoot a bunch of threes, hit open threes with random dudes and uh, be in competitive games that they have a chance to win. Um, we have now reached this weird gray area again with Chris Paul where he is one game, the Chris Paul everybody was bloviating about, and then one game he has more fouls than he does points. <laughs> Jess, is there any chance here with the Suns? I believe they are now up 3-2. Any yep. chance? As we tape, we're going to be – we're taping tonight. It is Thursday. Any chance the desperation Mavs pulled this out or the next time we're recording, they've moved on. The Suns have moved on. Uh, I will say that they have a chance. Because, I mean, mm. there's only two teams on the court. So one of them got to win, and they both <laughs> there have it is. 50-50. So you're saying they have a 50-50 chance. They got a 50-50 shot. But I still think that the Phoenix Suns shut them out and move on. Mm. I like uh, everybody's argument the other night that without Luka, the, team's pl- the team plays better. Um, you know what? How come people aren't saying that about the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah. You know, we're going to get to that here pretty soon, too. Talk about, you know, your Golden State Warriors. Yes. But, I mean, look, the fact is that when your superstar is on the court, you are that much better of a team. And uh, they need Luka. When Luka's there, he provides points, assists, rebounds, uh, and he gets his other teammates involved. Uh, I think that with Luka, that the Dallas Mavericks will always be a dangerous team. Without him, they are slightly less dangerous because they are kind of delegated to have to, you know, go the route that you were talking about. Put up 43s in a night, and I see we'll see how many we hit. With Luca, they're, they're, they're still doing that. They're just letting Luca shoot like 15 of them. But again, with Luca, you're going to get, you know, seven or eight of those 15, seven of the 15. And then you hope that the rest of the team hits, you know, around 30 to 40%. And then maybe you win. But here's the thing. The Phoenix Suns, I said it before, we even started, you know, <coughs> going into the playoffs. Um, we talked about, you know, teams that we thought were better, had better chances of going to the NBA championship. I thought the Phoenix Suns would uh, would surpass your Golden State Warriors and get back to the championship game. And they would also play the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Suns are loaded. They've got the best coach in the NBA. Wow. And uh, I think that these guys will go as far as their talent on the court get them. The good thing for the Phoenix Suns is they have so much talent from top to bottom. They don't necessarily need Chris Paul to be the point guard. They just need him to be present. They have Devin Booker. Without Booker, they got Cam Johnson. Without Cam Johnson, they got Bridges. Without Bridges, they got Aiton. They, they, they're at least eight dudes deep that can put up 20-plus points a game. And uh, they play they play some good defense, some decent team defense. Uh, and uh, I just think that overall, the talent level is there, whereas Dallas lacks depth. That's what's going to kill them in, the, in, the, in this game tonight. That's why I'm picking the Phoenix Suns to, to move on to the next round. 
I'm a big believer in desperation basketball. I believe we saw it last night with Memphis down 3-1. I believe we will see it tonight. We are seeing it right now in Philadelphia, who are down 3-1, but it is a tie game or a one-point game at halftime currently, doing a little real-time scores. Haven't done that in a minute, have we? Um, I think that the desperate Mavs win tonight. I think that the Suns get caught, not necessarily sleeping, but the, the, the Mavs do enough to pull something out of their ass here come late. And that game seven is going to be very interesting. I would gun to my head still go Suns, but man, the idea of game seven in Phoenix and that number one seed and, and Phoenix having so much expectation and even more the, the weight of the world on CP3 in that game seven and, and his track record in a game seven. Whew, I would love to see it. But uh, I believe the Mavs win tonight, and I do believe a game seven the Suns would win. So I still got the Suns advancing. Um, in regards to Heat Sixers, Jess, it's going on right now. The other night, uh, I believe it was game three or game five, we got the uh, Harden resurrection, rise <laughs> from the, gra- the grave. Game four, rise from yeah, the game. grave game. Um, tonight he's got 11 and five dimes. Um, give me some thoughts on this series and, and who you think advances. Miami is currently up in the series three games to two. Do they shut the door tonight? Harden can cook, man. I mean, mm. you get Harden cooking, and then you get uh, Maxi cooking, and you get Embiid. I mean, obviously Embiid's – Last time we did a show, we didn't even think he was going to play. We didn't think he was going to play, but here he is. And he's full Phantom you know, of the Opera. He's doing his thing. I love the Phantom of the Opera mask. I love that. I, I you know, said, hey, man, he, he's going to suit up with the mask. He is. He chose the black mask. I love it. Uh, I, I, I like the Sixers, but before again, our post or our pre NBA playoffs, we discussed mm-hmm. <laughs> doubling down again. They have issues, man. And one of their biggest issues is when James Harden is not cooking. And when these guys, the role players, they're not producing. Embiid is basically on one leg uh, or one eye, I guess, if you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and nine fingers. Guy's got a fucked up thumb. He, he's not going to be able to play MVP basketball right now. And he's trying. I mean, you want to commend somebody. Now the effort's Finch there. Embiid. Embiid's the effort's there. Off. He's doing everything he can to try to get to this next round. But here's the thing, man. The Heat are so damn good. They've got, again, so much depth. Tyler Hero just picked up six man of the year. Dude's averaging over 20 points off the bench. Uh, you got, you know, you got, yeah, they got, they got, you got Jimmy Bucket. They got, yeah, they got guys. You got, got guys. so many guys. Butler's and, been unbelievable. This slimes Joss tonight at 16. I know they've got guys that I've never even heard of coming off the bench, putting up double-digit points and double-digit Listen, much like the Mavs, they find open threes and they shoot them. And they will shoot them. The, the Miami Heat loves shooting the three. Uh, I think that the Miami closes them out. That was my prediction uh, earlier today. I said I think Miami closes them out. Uh, I, I think it'll be close all the way to the fourth quarter. No more blowouts. I don't expect no more blowouts. But I don't expect either of these games to go to a game seven.
Jess, I agree with you. And, and here in this aspect, I think that the Miami Heat put the the gas to the pedal here, the, the pedal to the floor. And at some point here in the fourth quarter, they're going to run away with this. So I agree with you. I, I think the Heat advance. Let's move over to the, uh, you know, honestly, I want to do Warriors Memphis because I, I want to save Boston uh, Milwaukee for the end because that really to me, that's been the, that's been the best series. That's been the real fucking just the jam of the jam of this whole last uh, you know final eight teams. Um, Warriors one up three one the other night. They were looking good. I am a firm believer in this Jazz. They just haven't had great games in this series, even with the wins. One of the wins the other night in in San Francisco was an incredibly ugly game, but they just pulled out at the end of the, at the out of their ass at the end. With Steph just doing Steph shit and veteran basketball at home, just kind of taking over. Um, last night they got the absolute shit kicked out of them. They're, you know, the doors fucking blown off. We have seen this in the playoffs with the Warriors before, so it doesn't really surprise me a ton. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies will not have Jaw for the remainder of this playoffs, or at least for the remainder of these series. Um, that to me is an incredible shift. Uh, Jess, give me some thoughts on this series. So one thing to point out is that during the stretch of the regular season, when the Grizzlies did not have jaw, he was out due, uh, due to injury. They went 20 and five, really 20 and two. The last three games, I wouldn't count one of the games. They played a bunch of their fun. They just basically sat all the starters. So 20 and two. And then a couple losses when they were just kind of fucking around trying to get... Yeah, yeah, very end of the season. There were literally two of them I wouldn't even... But out of those 20 wins, I believe they had a stretch where they went like 10-0 and without Ja. They were very good. They can play good, fundamental team basketball without their star. But as I said in regards to Luka and the Mavericks, if you have your star player on the court, you are automatically that much better. Jaw can do the whole 40, 45 point, you know, night type thing. No one else on the Memphis Grizzlies are gonna, is going to put up 40 points. It's just not going to happen. Jaron Jackson, tremendous player. Some of these other guys, you know, uh, Bain, tremendous player. But they're not going to be scoring 40, 45 points a game. And you need a guy who's going to come over and take over a game for you if you're hoping to beat a team that, let's face it, is as fundamentally sound as the Golden State Warriors. They've played together for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Young guys have come in and just really been scorch-earth type mm-hmm. players. Stepping it Gordon up. Pool is amazing. And even Ja admitted, hey, man, the pool thing was not dirty. He was reaching for the ball. You can go back on any replay you want to. He was not trying to push or pull Jaw's knee any which way. He was simply had a hand on the body going for the ball. That's natural basketball progression. That's what happens. In in the heat of the moment, when you're in, in uh, some sort of sport, it, it's going to get physical and shit happens. And that's what happened to Jaw. It's unfortunate, uh, especially when you're, the, uh, when you're the Grizzlies. Because the Grizzlies, I'm telling you, they need Jaw to win. And they were already down 3-1. Last uh, last uh, the other day's game when they won, and it was such a huge blowout. It was kind of a thing where it's like, damn, I don't expect this to ever happen again, and I really don't. I think the Warriors close the series <laughs> out and move on. The Warriors are the better team. Uh, I think that if you match Steph and Ja up, I think Steph is the better player. 
he's still one of the best players in the world. I think Jaws still got a ways to go. But as far as team basketball, man, when you talk about fluidity, to bring that word up one more time, That's when you talk about locker room presence, and, and when you talk about teams who played together and they've gelled, man, there's probably no team in the playoffs that have more experience than this Golden State Warriors team. And that's, you know, we, we've talked about it the entire time we've been doing playoff takes. The, the Warriors and the Celtics have the best basketball chemistry because they've played the longest and do a great job organization-wise of going young talent that we bring in. We get them to buy in. They, they drink the Kool-Aid and, they, and, and it works. So I, um, I don't think the Warriors let this get out of San Francisco. I'm a big believer in your role players step up at home. We saw that last night with the, with Memphis. And I think we're going to get that big Andrew Wiggins game at home. We're going to get that 25, 30 point explosion from Poole. We're going to get that comeback game from clay where he puts up 20 to 22. And we're going to most importantly get that Steph Curry 25, 30 point game. He hits a few threes. He gets the crowd going. And most importantly, they just got to stop turning the fucking ball over. I, I, the, the bat, the, they have been so incredibly sloppy with letting turnovers turn to points because when they turn the ball over, these young Memphis Grizzlies are just boat racing them to the rim and getting easy baskets. Um, that's going to all tighten up. I think the Warriors pulled away here. They probably win by five or seven at home tomorrow night, if it's tomorrow night or Saturday night. Just, in my opinion, the real cream of the crop, the best the best of these series and the, the series that I have legitimately put the most of my investment in, that I've watched the most of, even more than the Warriors, because I turned that shit off last night, has been Boston versus Milwaukee. And... This reminds me so much of Cleveland versus Toronto five years ago when you were getting LeBron just going at that fucking great Toronto team who had young Lowry and and, and uh, the other guy whose name fucking escapes. DeRozan. Was young DeRozan, prime DeRozan, and and the, the, the young, just the, the young Abacas and the young other center they had that they just – Man, they were so deep in that coach. Um, these are just, it's just Giannis, in my opinion, the best player on the planet, the best player in the world, doing Wilt Chamberlain shit, doing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar shit, doing Shaquille O'Neal shit, um, doing what we saw Kawhi do a few years ago, and just... He's unstoppable. He's just fucking unstoppable. And I think, and I've said this about Giannis, as long as we've been doing the podcast, sometimes he gets in his own way. And I think, especially the game before last, he just got in his own way and just tried to take over too much rather than letting the basketball come to him. And uh, last night was one of those weird games where it felt like the Celtics could have stole that game. And, Smart just makes two back-to-back bonehead plays. And everyone's going to focus on those two bonehead plays that Smart made because he's Defensive Player of the Year and because he just tends to make airhead plays sometimes. And when you make back-to-back plays like that in the most crucial moments of the you know last minute of the fourth quarter, that just kills you. 
Um, but man, there was a moment in that last minute, in those last four or five possessions, where Gianna straight up fucking turned the ball over, fumbled the ball out of bounds, and they called like a push foul or a touch foul or some shit. Followed by he gets to the basket. They're not calling. They're, they're just weirdly calling shit on Giannis like they do Shaq, where he's there's so much physicality under the basket. When are we calling it? Why are we calling it now on the last minute? Don't call it the last minute. Like let let him fucking play unless a guy's straight up riding him. Um, I just think that those plays aren't getting focused on as much as the smart plays because those are the easy ones to focus on. But just this is just fantastic hard nose playoff basketball where if you are just a fringe fan of basketball, you really should be going out of your way to watch these last two games if they go seven, which I think they will, because Tatum is on another level. Brown is just showing up and doing incredible things. The uh, comeback Horford game the other night where he got straight up fucking bullied by Giannis and got mad and went, all right, looked it right at him and went, all right, motherfucker. And then just went berserk in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is just fantastic basketball, Jess. Give me some thoughts, please. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I can add to that. I said it all. I'm sorry. You said, you, you said everything. This, this series for me, I'm looking at all these other series. No disrespect to the Golden State Warriors. No disrespect to the Phoenix Suns. No disrespect to the Heat and the Sixers and all these other great teams with great, tremendous players. But this series decides who wins the NBA championship. Wow. That's, that's I think that's my, a fair take. That's my take on this. These two teams have proven to me who's by no means an NBA aficionado. I, 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 I know these guys okay. I can talk a little bit about stats stuff. I can talk a little bit about player stuff. But when I watch these two teams play, there's a passion for basketball between these two teams. The head coaches are passionate about the game of basketball. These two teams are so well matched up that at any given night, one player can go off and basically win this series. Right now, we've seen the Tatum games. We've seen uh, – I, I can't even remember the kid's name. Uh, who, the Jalen Brown game? The J, there was the Jalen Brown game. There's another game where there – There's been a Horford game. Horford had a game. These are and, all Giannis games, bottom line. They're winning because back, Gian, I mean, Giannis is getting a little help, but it's all, it's all Giannis. When you come back to it, the heart of the Milwaukee Bucks and maybe possibly the NBA is Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo, this guy is the best player in the world. I'm going to steal your, your phrase. He's the best player in the world. There is no other player better than him. He is the perfect example of the company man. His post-interviews are tremendous. They're so polite. Like, no, he's, yeah, he's, 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 he know, Jess, there's, you're not going to get any argument from anyone. He is the PG version of the NBA that the NBA wants you to drink with two fucking glasses. They want you to double fist PG Giannis because there's too many NC-17 Kyries and (laughs) Katies and Draymonds 
and but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just too many. So, so they, you know what I'm saying? They want, they want Oreo cookie Giannis fucking, you know what I'm saying? Beating you and then taking his kid to the podium and reading those dad jokes. It's cool. It's awesome. The gimmick works and I, and I love it. And I love Giannis. And I told he's my the, buddy, he's total I, face. I told my buddy this the other night. He's, he's the ultimate John Cena baby face. He yeah. will, he will hard foul you, try and help you up and then go, I apologize. I'm going to donate $10,000 to your favorite charity before the game's over. So just heads up. While he's uh, on the bench, he's cash app and, you know, some- who, yeah, Al Horford's favorite charity, Tato's favorite charity. But so, so, Jess, plant your flag here because I know, because we don't want to go too long here. No, let's, you, let's go. So, I'm going to now. I love this series. I firmly believe the winner of this series, and it will go seven games. I firmly believe the winner of this series is going to win the NBA championship this year. It doesn't matter if it's the Phoenix Suns, it doesn't matter if it's Golden State Warriors. The Bucks or the Celtics will win the title this year. And I know that when you when you have two teams fighting against each other like these two teams have been for you know the five games that they've been going at it. I, I, I know that the thought is, man, if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to be beat up. No, man, they're going to be more pumped and ready to go. One of these teams will win the NBA championship this year. And I just – I got to go with the best player in the world. I think that the Milwaukee Bucks will be led by Giannis back-to-back championships. I'm not saying you going to be – You a tweeted di- this the other night, by the way, so I think it's good to double down. I'm not saying this is going to be some dynasty type thing, okay? Because the NBA is. Well, Jess, they won a championship this year. That's back to back championships. That's, you're getting close. It's far too competitive. The the league is far too competitive for the Bucks to pro- possibly win a third, at least not in a row. But I'm telling you, Jonas is the best player in the world. The Bucks will be led by him. They will win the Nash, uh, the NBA championship this year. But this series, like you said, the most fun and most competitive. <sighs> Just fiery competitive nature series in this entire NBA playoffs. So. They, I, I'll say this with my assumption that the Heat advance. The Heat are going to throw a lot of bodies, and they're going to try and use high IQ basketball to beat up Giannis, to beat Giannis, and go. We're just going to try and use a lot of passing and a lot of basketball analytics and throw a bunch of guys at you and we'll we might even let you score 30 points a night but we're hoping you do it on 25 30 shots and and as long as nobody else beats us we're fine with that so it'll be interesting to see the strategy used by miami because i mean this is where spostra's you know this is what's made him an elite coach and one of the best coaches in the last 15 years is, is his ability to do this shit but jess we'll talk more playoffs next week Let's hit the wrap it up button. We said we were going to do a super short show, and then we, of course, we went 90 minutes. We will be back next week. We'll have more NBA playoff talk because uh, teams will have either moved on or we'll be getting, uh, you know, game sevens. Uh, we'll talk about that stuff. We got the fights that we just mentioned. We'll recap those and move on. You know what I'm going to recap fight. next week? What are we recapping? The Ultimate Fighter because our boy Chandler Cole's on there. Woo, Chandler Cole. Let's watch The Ultimate Fighter. I'm going to watch it this week, and, I'll, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to report Folks, we'll be back next week. Uh, shout out to anybody out there that is going through strife in your life. Please remember to reach out to somebody. There's always somebody that's going to be willing to listen, whether it's a friend or a family member or, hell, just somebody off of a weird-ass Twitter. One of us will listen to what you got to say. 
So be aware of your mental health. That's my that's my advocation for the day. I am Paul Heyman, and I'm advocating for yes. folks. Mental health is is important. Folks, uh, follow us on Twitter. It's our only form of social media. I say this every week. We uh, have uh, ourselves. You can follow Jay at Valdez spelled backwards five five nine. You can follow myself at JTT81. And please, again, follow the pod at Team Toss 21 We're hoping to get over 400 here pretty soon. Folks, we'll be back. Listen. Goodbye. Self, be careful. Be safe. Goodbye. Goodbye.